Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year to you. How exciting. This is going to be a phenomenal year. Somebody say yes. It's going to be a great year. I declare that over you and your household and your family. I really do believe this is going to be an epic year for all of us. I want to wish my lovely bride, Keely, uh, Pastor Keely, our counseling pastor here at New Life, the director of our counseling center. Uh, she's home ill today, but I wish you a happy birthday, sweetheart. Yes, we love you very much. I'm pretty ordinary, probably like, like most of you. There's a word that's kind of opposite of ordinary, and I would say that word is, is, is famous. You ever met somebody famous before? I, I have. Here's a picture of somebody famous that you probably know who this is. Um, his name is, is, say it, it's Chuck Norris. Real name is, is, is believe it or not, is, is Carlos, Carlitos Norris, but Chuck Norris. And uh, he is a, a star, famous human being. You may or may not know this, but he accepted Christ and while he was filming his television program, Walker, Texas Ranger, which by far, hands down, is the best TV program that was ever on television. I'm just going to say that out loud. And during that program, he promoted his, his faith. He's an acclaimed star. He's a, an authentic martial artist, a businessman, a philanthropist. You know you've arrived in fame when people start telling jokes about you around the world. Don't you think that's true, right? Yes? Like, like I like some of these. I'm going to just put them up on the screen here for you. The first one, Chuck Norris, uh, Chuck Norris can dribble a bowling ball. Isn't that awesome? Yes? I mean, if you're not going to get into this, you can just go home. But I, this is going to, for the next few minutes, this is for me. This is going to, how about this one? Um, Chuck Norris once shot an enemy plane down with his finger by yelling, bang. <laughs> that. You guys are just nuts. Let's go on the next. Go over here. How about this This third one? I got a few more of these. These are awesome. Chuck Norris' calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd because no one fools Chuck Norris. <laughs> Isn't that a great one? God, I did. You guys, I'm going to skip these if you're not going to get into this. This is the best part of the whole message. How about this one? Um, Chuck Norris can speak Braille. <laughs> Let that one sink in. Nobody. All right. How about, how about this one? Chuck Norris can do a wheelie on a unicycle. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, nobody's, you guys are a tough, tough crowd. We got two more. Chuck Norris once won a game of Connect Four in three moves, right, Rob? Yeah, that's a good one, yeah? Uh, all right, you guys. Last one, here we go. Some of y'all came to church for this today. Here we go. Chuck Norris can strangle you with a cordless phone. Yeah, that's a Chuck Norris. Yes, thank you. The crowd on the right. Uh, the rest of you are just. So I had the privilege of spending time with Mr. Norris at some martial arts venues and professional uh, leadership forums. Um, not, I wouldn't say a friend. Uh, that would be lying. Uh, but I would say a, a professional acquaintance. Some of you may or may not know that I've been in the martial arts industry for decades. And and, uh, and, and, and I just will tell you, this is not an ordinary person, this uh, Chuck Norris. He's a famous person. He's navigated what I would say some of the pressures of notoriety and the pressures of the spotlight, and he's maintained his pure faith witness throughout it, and it's an honor to know Mr. Norris. It's hard to contain your excitement when you meet a famous person. There's probably a few of you here or watching online that have met somebody famous before. You were... You, were, you just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and somebody that's, that's, that's famous, uh, you met them, and you didn't know what to say. The famous people are people that aren't necessarily ordinary. When you meet a famous person, you feel like it kind of marks you, or it, it affects you for the next few days. You, you, you walk a little taller. But today, what I want to do is introduce you to somebody who is not ordinary like me, and not ordinary like you. He's, he's not just famous like like Chuck Norris, he is in a league of his own. There has never been and there never will be anybody like him because he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the bright morning star, the lion and the lamb, and his name is Jesus Christ. He was present at creation, born of a virgin, lived in a small town, 
worked as a carpenter, never owned a house. He was hated by his enemies. He did incredible miracles, condemned to death, died in a borrowed, uh, buried in a borrowed grave. I call him friend. I talk with him every day, and his name is Jesus. And so for the next few minutes on this inaugural first message of 2022, I hope that you will give me a few moments of your time so that I can help us understand why he is in a league of his own, why Jesus is different from everybody who has ever lived. Because if you meet him, if you know him, he won't just mark your life and affect you for a few days. He will change. He will transform your life forever. You'll never be the same again. And so if you're new to this thing called Christianity or exploring your faith journey and, and what faith in Jesus might look like, I, I can't make you love Jesus, but I can, I can certainly help set up the first date. You know what I'm talking about, right? I can put you in a position that you can fall in love with the Savior of the world. So I want to acquaint you with the Son of God who walked on the earth, and I want you to understand at the beginning of this message, he was not ordinary. We're in chapter 24 of the story, and I'm hoping you're staying with us as we're reading through this together. Uh, some of you, your New Year's resolution needs to be, I will go back and read the previous 23 chapters of the story and I'll get it done soon because I want you to stay with us as we go through this book. Many people made a promise, a pledge before the Lord, and they said several weeks ago uh, that I would like to understand God's word better. I would like to understand the flow and the theme of God's word. Let me just tell you, it's not, it's not designed, God's relationship with you is not designed for you to understand him only through the mouthpiece of the preacher. You're supposed to be an intimate, close relationship with God, and that comes through digesting and reading, listening to whatever method you choose, God's word. It comes from talking to God on a daily basis, not only when you need help, help, not only when you're there, but also when you don't need help. God, I hear you, I see you, I'm with you. I may not always, always in every moment um, hear the voice of God, but I know that you are with me. And for you to acknowledge that, that's what God wants. That's, that's relationship with him. And so in chapter 24, we are in the New Testament. Last week, we started in the New Testament and we spent, um, we spent 22 weeks in the Old Testament the first 39 books of the Bible before Jesus ever came on the planet. And if there's one thing that we understand through the Old Testament, it's that we need, desperately need, a, a Savior. And today in chapter 24, we're discovering the miracles of Jesus. And, and in chapter 24, we read about perhaps Jesus' best-known message teaching, sermon, discourse that he ever gave known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gave this message, this, this preaching like I'm doing today uh, to a crowd of thousands of people. And he did this and it's recorded in Matthew chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. And let me give you a little bit of context, a little bit of a setting. It's on a mountainside that kind of comes right into the Sea of Galilee. It's like this natural amphitheater. There are thousands of people. I mean, there's no microphones. There's no amplification. There are thousands of people that are in this natural amphitheater. And they could hear everything that Jesus was saying. Who would know the acoustics better than the one who spoke it into existence, right? And so today, at the cusp, the, the threshold of, of a new year, of 2022, I want to give you three facts that we discovered about Jesus as we read chapter 24 in the story. Three facts about Jesus as he lived on the earth. And let me tell you, he was no ordinary. No ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about him. Number one, Jesus was no ordinary teacher. Jesus' teaching was, was inside out. It was, it was upside down. No teacher in their right mind would ever say that the poor would, would, would be the kingdom of God. 
No teacher in their right mind would say the meek will inherit the earth. No, it's the powerful. It's the strong. No teacher in their right mind would say when you mourn, that's when you're going to be blessed. Because it doesn't feel like you're blessed. Jesus taught in so many ways. I'm a teacher. I'm a fan of teaching. I'm a fan of of preaching, I'm a fan of, of, of declaring. I like to study methods and methodologies. I like to watch people, you know, some of the best people to watch, to learn how to communicate well in front of a crowd or comedians, because they get you from the beginning to the end. Jesus had this, I'm even gonna introduce you to his comedic fashion in just a moment. And you're like, I never heard Jesus tell a joke, baby. You didn't read it right then, because it's in there. Jesus used stories, earthly stories, to communicate heavenly messages. These earthly stories, we call them parables, but he used these all the time. And he had the same MO. He would share this story, a parable, and then he would explain what it meant, and then he would live it out. Remember the the parable, the the story of the, the Good Samaritan? Or the parable or the story of the prodigal son, good Samaritan, where uh, the guy was beat up and left uh, on the side of the road to, to die, and the only one, the priest wouldn't stop, the Levite wouldn't stop, nobody would help him except for somebody who was considered to be an enemy. A Samaritan came by and bandaged him up and paid for him, for him to have a place to stay, and made sure that he got healthy. Jesus told that parable, that story, the prodigal son, the son says, dad, I want my inheritance, I want it all now, and dad gives it to him, and he goes out, he squanders it in wild living, and all kinds of sinful lifestyle, he ends up broke, broker than anything, and he finds himself one to eat what the pigs are eating in the pig pen, and he finally goes home, and he plans on begging his dad for a job out in the fields, but his father sees him from a, a ways off, and runs to meet him, and embraces, and gives him a dad hug. You know what a dad hug is? Some of you have been craving a dad hug for decades, and he gives him a dad hug, and he won't let go of him, and Jesus was a rabbi. What's a rabbi, Troy? A rabbi is somebody who teaches the Old Testament and puts it into um, a ways of understanding and, and application for us today. So Jesus was known as a, a teacher, a, a, a rabbi. But, but back then, a, a rabbi would have their own interpretation or their own understanding of what the Old Testament said, or really what it meant and how we apply it. That's what a rabbi would have. He would then seek to promote his teachings or his, his beliefs among his followers. And his followers would embrace those teachings. These, I don't know if you know this or not, but there would be kind of a, back in, in, in that era, there was a competition that was going on between the rabbis to see who would have the biggest following. It was sinful. It still happens today. And when I go to conferences for pastors and leaders, it's, 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 it's butts and it's bucks and it's buildings. How many butts are in the seats and how many bucks in the bank and how many buildings do you have? And, and, and it's the same thing today. This competition, and we're not in competition, which is why this morning before I came to church, I drove around this community and that community, and I even went to Modesto this morning, and I drove around, and I looked for churches, and I said, God, bless them. Let this be the greatest year of harvest for the kingdom of God in this entire region. I don't care if it's us. I don't care if it's them. It doesn't matter who gets the credit, but God do a work. God do a work. There are families in crisis and people in addiction and so many people that need to be set free. Back then, the rabbis' interpretation of the Old Testament, they interpreted the Old Testament and and their interpretation, their, their teaching, their understanding of the Old Testament was known as their yoke. And, and, and what happened was when you were learning from that rabbi, from that teacher. It was, it was known as, as you followed that rabbi, you were placing yourself under that yoke. And so you carried their teaching with you. Now when you think of that yoke, that teaching, I want you to think of 
their philosophy, their, their, their platform. And, and it's what they were trying to convey that other people would embrace. It explains to me why Jesus would say this in, in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What's he saying? This rabbi, Jesus is saying, I am different from all of the other teachers of the law. Because the other teachers of the law have this endless list of rules that you must follow. And if you don't follow those rules, then you're in trouble. You're living in, in sin, but not Jesus. Jesus was all about freedom, guys. And, and that would be a radical position uh, for people to hear in that time. Now, a rabbi knows, when I turned 50, I began to, began to think about life a little bit differently. And I know I'm not old, but I'm also not young anymore. So I began to, I don't like the chuckle from the younger people in the crowd, but whatever, we'll move on. <laughs> began to think about my life in terms of not just accomplishment for the kingdom, but legacy for the kingdom. I don't think you're ever too young to start thinking that way. And, and rabbis back then knew that they only have so many years on the planet. And so during their journey, they would look for followers or disciples, people that they could teach their understanding, their, 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 their philosophy of the Old Testament. And so that people would not only live it out, but people would remember it so that they would then also teach their children. They would perpetuate the teachings. They would embrace the message. There's even a saying that sums all of this up, and it's found in what's known as the Mishnah. Doesn't really matter, but the Mishnah is an oral commentary of the Old Testament law. And the Mishnah said it this way, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Now would you leave that up there for me, please? May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you be so committed to becoming like your rabbi that you follow him so closely and with such passion and with such devotion that as your rabbi walks, you are walking so closely behind your rabbi that you are covered in the dust of your rabbi. May it be said of me, if this is the last message I preach with breath in my being on the planet, may it be written on my tombstone. He was covered in the dust of his rabbi. I want all of us to be so close to Jesus that we're covered in the dust of our teacher, of our savior, of our Messiah. Hmm. Praise God. Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived. People listened to him for hours, hours. He spoke in poems and he spoke in illustrations and he quoted the Old Testament stories. I told you earlier he had a sense of humor. People are like, I don't know, I've never heard Jesus tell a joke. Hey, you hear the one? No, I've never heard that Jesus say that in the New Testament. But you gotta understand that one of the greatest ways of, of communicating humor in that era, in that culture, was a word that Pastor Trinity used a little while ago, was, was hyperbole. Hyperbole is, is extreme exaggeration. Some of you do that like all the time. That's the way you live. Like everything's exaggerated, right? You went fishing, sure you did, right? So, um, and... And so extreme exaggeration, right? And, and um, uh, Sermon on the Mount. We read it this week. It's in chapter 24. Um, you read a place where Jesus says, why do you worry about the speck of sawdust in another person's eye when you've got a plank 
in your own eye, and we read it in the Western American culture today, and we're like, hmm, Jesus, that is so good. There is depth to that teaching. Wow. But in that day, if, when, when Jesus would have said this, everybody was like, <laughs> did you hear what he just said? Speck in a play? Come on. It was hilarious back then. It, it, was, it was something that would be talked around the water cooler the next day. It's kind of like a viral video we do today. It was funny. It had a point to it. It was a communicative style. Jesus was no ordinary teacher. Number two, Jesus was no ordinary king. His kingdom was, was very different. Throughout his ministry, no king talked about their kingdom like Jesus did. I mean, his kingdom, he said, in our kingdom, we accept outsiders. Well, that's not a typical thing that a king would say. He said, in this kingdom, uh, we'll even welcome back prodigals that have, that have thrown things in the face of their father. That wasn't a normal kingly thing to say. When kings talk, they typically talk about their strengths, not their weaknesses. Not Jesus. Jesus wasn't an ordinary king. He said, when you, when you throw a party, yeah, he's communicated to him. He said, well, listen, guys, when you throw a party, you shouldn't just invite everybody that, uh, that you normally uh, would invite. You should invite the people that nobody else does. Luke 14, verse number 12, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, that's a party, don't just invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, well, they might invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And since we're disciples of Jesus, since we follow him so closely, we got to try to imitate him. His dust should be upon us. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's why this week we're officially launching the New Life Dream Center at our Modesto campus. What are we talking about? A compassion store, like a boutique style store will soon open up where people can come in and they'll be greeted as they would at any other nice store. And they'll be given an, an opportunity to fill a basket with food and with clothing and with, non, with, with, uh, with uh, health and beauty aids. And we're also, we have a managers that I'll introduce you to that have come forward that said they want to they manage this compassion store. I'm so excited about this because one of their, one of their passions is something that I spoke with, with uh, some of our team members about for the last year. And, uh, and so we're putting in also a community garden there where people can come help us uh, manage the garden and they can take all the vegetables they want to be able to take home. How many know it's cheaper to get chips than it is to get fruit, right? It's cheaper to get, it's cheaper to get uh, the, 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 the unhealthy stuff than it is to get the healthy stuff when you go to the store. Um, we also will have family movie nights that will be held once a month for free for the community to come and watch a movie on the big screen and have, have snacks and be able to take their kids to the movies that they couldn't otherwise afford to do that. You know, when, I took, used to, when we used to have our seven kids at home, it would, I, I, we had, we had, uh, when we would take them to the movies, it would be no less than $125 for us to take. You, um, Norma's going, I know exactly what you're talking about, Troy. Absolutely, yes. And so we, well, we can provide a big screen movie for families in a great environment for them for absolutely free. We're going to host, because of Ashley, where's Ashley at back there? We're hosting parents' nights out there, where parents can drop off their kids, and from 5 to 10 o'clock at night, we'll watch them so they can go out and have a date night. Mom and dad can work through their issues or get closer together. We think that's going to benefit the family, which is going to benefit the community, and we're going to draw people closer to God through that. I'm excited about it. We're offering English as a second language classes. We're coordinating through our Spanish campus. So excited about people learning English counseling sessions will be offered there for free or for discounted rates. We offer groups. Currently, we have a recovery group. I thank God for Everett back there. Everett, wave at us. Everett is the director of our, yes, the, he's the director of our recovery ministry. People are dealing with hurts, habits, and hangups. Um, Everett is the guy that will meet with you and help you and walk you through the 12-step process. Uh, it's called the bright side of broken. 
And Everett knows firsthand what that's like because he's not just talking to you from sympathy, but from a place of empathy and the other side of being broken. And we're so grateful for that. We have a prayer group, so if people want to come by, they can be prayed for and we'll lay hands on them and believe that God will give them a better life. Bible studies that are offered. Hey, listen, we're introducing youth and adult sports leagues down there. So, so people, they can, they can do basketball leagues and hockey leagues and pickleball leagues and football leagues and skills. We're excited about what God is going to do through those. Well, I believe God gave us a big stage there. You know, we, we like to call it the platform because we're all Christians, but it's a stage, right? In, a, in an auditorium. We like to call it a sanctuary because we're Christian. It's an auditorium, right? It's not about the building. We're the church. This is not the church, right? This is just a building. And so we're using the building for the glory of God. And so why not offer drama classes and drama opportunities and training, uh, Christ-centered, but for kids and people in the neighborhood. I mean, what a great idea. We can do that. Hey, we've got a kitchen there. We're going to offer cooking classes so people can take cooking classes. And they can learn how to cook this and do that and make whatever. We're excited. Hey, I, have, I am praying. I've been praying. I've been saying, okay, God, here's what I need. And you own the cattle on Thousand Hills. So would you give me a 90 by 50 piece, a foot piece of, of concrete? That's what I want. I want a great big old patio out there, but between the buildings, there's a courtyard area that's grass. You know what I'm talking about. It's not really grass, right? It's green sometimes, and the rest of the time it's goat heads. That's what we farm there anyway. So um, what I want to do is I want to put concrete in there. And if we can put concrete in there, um, what we can do is we can have a pickleball court, basketball courts, ho- hockey, and on Friday nights, we can offer maybe a monthly skate night. Bring your roller skates. Where's Edwin at? Is Edwin in here today? There he is, Edwin. We can bring it. Raise your hand, Edwin. Edwin is our DJ. He's the new life DJ. Never do it with me. Nobody. Okay. Anyway, he's our DJ. How about we bring Edwin down there? He's like, now you box me in, so I got to be. Yes, you do. And Edwin's going to come down there. And what if we played music and had lights and let kids roller skate? What if we did that? What if we gave parents a safe place for their kids to congregate and to come? What if this became a community? No. What if this became a dream center? And the mantra is, you can live a better life. There's only one way to help you truly live a better life. And that's Jesus. We've got outreaches planned to give away food, drive-through foods and, and school supplies and all kinds of things that are going to happen this year. Oh, hey, 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 tomorrow. Tomorrow, we officially open the uh, Dream Center Fitness Center. To, what's that? At, what's, yeah, good. Everett, way to go. That's a, that's a whoop and a holler from, from Everett. So um, uh, we're opening up the fitness. Listen, we, I don't know if you know this, but we have transformed. Uh, We've got a room that is a cardio room. It's got new equipment. Um, it's got a, a recumbent bike. It's got a new treadmill and a... And a, a n- 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 elliptical but it's a, a Nordic track elliptical television to watch and all that kind of stuff we've got we've got heavy bag room we've got weight a whole weight room and stuff all kind we got an outdoor walking track and hopefully soon we'll have the basketball yeah you may never go but I want you to join it's it's ten dollars a month I want you to join I want a hundred members by the end of February at ten dollars a month whether you ever use it or not, join the fitness center. Can I just say that to you, New Life? Just join the fitness center. You're, you can go. You can, it's open six days a week, eight to eight, Monday through Friday, eight to six on Saturdays. You can go. Use it as much as you want to. I want you to get in shape. You're like, why would I drive all the way that, that way to, to get in shape? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can listen to a podcast on the way there to kind of pump you up, and you can listen to one on the way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because, because you're helping to support something bigger than just a fitness center, bigger than just an industry. Because the $10 a month that people are given to be a part of the fitness center is actually supporting the entire dream. So I'm telling you, you, here's the deal. We want to be a church that helps those that are often overlooked. We want to go out and reach those people that maybe nobody else is reaching. And if you, if you reach the people nobody else is reaching, God's going to give you the people that everybody else, everybody else wants. People that see the higher vision. I'm excited about this. You can be a part of this. Um, uh, Mark... And Everett, stand up for me, please. I know that you were doing this online. People can watch too, but Mark and Everett are my team down there. They're part of the leadership team of the Dream Center. They're seeing it all the way through. Let me just brag on these two guys for just a second. These two guys at different stages in their lives and different uh, financial capabilities and what the Lord has provided for them have said that for the next year, I'm committing full-time time, volunteerism, full-time time. We're talking 40 plus hours a week to seeing this Dream Center come to fruition. We're gonna be there. They're gonna help people, serve people. 
guys, I'm so proud of this. That's a big deal. Have a seat, gentlemen. Praise the Lord. We want to be a church that grows and expands. Can I just say that at this first Sunday of 2022? Never satisfied with where we're at. There's always more people to reach. So we are, as we've announced before, we're sharing it once again, fresh and anew, that on Sunday, uh, April the 17th, that's Easter Sunday morning, we launch our newest campus in Manteca that will be meeting, uh, gatherings will be meeting at the AMC Theater next to Bass Pro Shops. We've got a contractual commitment with the AMC. We're excited to see what God is going to do at that campus to reach the southern uh, portion of Manteca. We've got plans for future campuses, that, not for our glory. May nobody ever remember your name. Nobody ever remember my, may they remember the dust because we're covered in the dust of our rabbi. Jesus was no ordinary king. And the result of following this king is that your life will be transformed. You'll never be the same again. There have been hundreds of kings, hundreds of, of presidents, and in times of war, they've all done the same thing. All of them. They have asked their subjects to go out and lay down their lives for their king. But there is only one king that went and laid down his life for his subjects. Jesus Christ was no ordinary teacher. I said he was no ordinary king. And Jesus was no ordinary man. Think about some of the statements that, that Jesus made to show that he was no ordinary man. If any man has seen me, he has seen the Father. That's, that's a pretty powerful statement. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. He said, the Jewish, the Jewish leaders will kill the son of man, but I will return. He said, I am the bread of life. <laughs> he was no ordinary man. Nobody ever claimed what he claimed or said what he said or, or taught what he taught or did what he did. But remember the goal of any rabbi was to pass along and to perpetuate their teaching so that their followers would both embrace their teaching and embody what they taught so that it would live on. How did Jesus do that? Well, in order to figure that one out, we have to, we have to fast forward in time. We've got to go past Jesus' birth and his, his, his life and, and his teachings. We've got to go past Jesus' crucifixion and his death and his burial. We've got to go past Jesus um, resur resurrecting and rising from the dead three days later. And then he walked on the earth for about 40 days. We've got to go past the period where he ascended up into heaven. And now we're left. And the book of Acts is being written. And in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John had just had this incredible encounter where they were bold and courageous for God, where before they were kind of wimpy and, and withdrawn, but they were bold and courageous. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, they looked like their rabbi. They were covered in his dust. And because of that, they were able to accomplish some amazing things. And so, so can we. Think about it. The disciples had a front row seat when it came to seeing the miracles of Jesus. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus uh, healed the demon-possessed man. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. A lot of miracles um, by the Sea of Galilee, which happens to be where Jesus is teaching this message right now, the mountain and the sea, and he's, he's teaching and he's talking to the people in this amphitheater. But out on that sea, many miracles were getting ready to transpire. Um, miracles uh, that we'll read about, like Matthew chapter 14, verses 25. Let's, uh, I want you to look in your storybook, please. Turn to page 348. If you brought your book with you, don't forget to bring your textbook with you. If you, uh, if you don't have a copy, we'll give you one. It's, you can get it back there at the Connect Corner if you'd like to. Page 348. I'll be reading it to you, but it's also on the screen. Um, we're going to take a look on Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 and 26, down toward the bottom of the page. 
Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out with them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Um, the Greek translation of that is they wet themselves. I just made that up, but that sounded really good. They were really, really scared. Okay, let's move on. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. The disciples thought that this was a ghost. This, this wasn't a ghost. It's, it's Jesus. And, and they were there for that miracle. Another time, on the lake, um, uh, they were out on the lake and a, and a storm kind of whips up all of a sudden. This is a massive lake. Um, maybe somewhere between Lake Tahoe and one of the Great Lakes. So it's, it's a big, big lake, okay? So we're talking about, you know, huge. And, and a big storm whips in. And although it's a lake, uh, waves can get up to 20 feet tall. I, that the ceiling is about 12 feet tall, another eight feet taller than that. That's how big the waves can get in that lake. And Jesus is asleep, as you might know the story, you may not, he's asleep and they wake him up and they're like, dude, don't you care about, we're, about, we're gonna die here. And Jesus gets up and says, peace, be still. The Bible tells us very clearly and explains it to us that the wind stops and it says in that instant, even the waves stop. For those of you that like to be out on the water, you understand a concept about after a storm ends, you can't get on your sea dew or you can't go water skiing for about 30 minutes because the waves are still churning and they're still going. It takes a while for them to calm down after a major storm, but not when Jesus does a miracle. And so that's when the disciples, they're seeing the sea clean, clear as glass. And they're looking at each other and they're saying, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. This is no ordinary man. You know, this another time. There's a miracle that's recorded in every single gospel. Everyone. It's the feeding of the, the 5,000. Now, we say 5,000, but it's more correctly, I think, around 25,000. Because it says in the Bible, in all four gospel accounts, that there were 5,000 men that were there. At that time, they only counted the men, whatever. But we're going to say, well, if they each were married and they had a couple of kids, which they may have had a lot more kids back then, then that's four per family, 5,000. So I'm going to say 20, 25,000 people were in, in the crowd that day. They wanted to hear Jesus teach, really desperately. Really what they wanted was they wanted not just to hear him teach, but they wanted to be healed. They had some real major issues in their families. Really, really tough stuff going on. Um, kids couldn't walk and people were blind. All kinds of ailments and disease and sickness. All kinds of emotional and mental problems, demon possession. But the setting was that Jesus had drawn away from the crowd. He needed it. You ever need a break from the people? And you ever, you ever say this phrase, it's too people out there? You ever do that, right? You just want to stay away from, that's where Jesus, you can get that. He just wanted to, he just wanted to get away. Why? Because his cousin and his best friend, John, John the Baptist, had just been executed innocently, not just executed, he was beheaded. And, and, and Jesus, he hadn't even had a chance to really mourn this, fully human guys. So he just wanted to step away from the crowd, but the crowd wouldn't let him. The crowd just kept becoming the crowd and they kept following after Jesus. And they came by the thousands. And this multitude of people full of sickness and misery were bringing to Jesus nothing but requests. It wasn't blessing and honor it was request after request after request. What can you do for me, Jesus? And Jesus responded to them with kindness. That would be hard for me. His disciples thought it would be hard too because they weren't quite as compassionate as Jesus was. See, it's been a long day and they, they skip breakfast and they skip lunch and it's now past dinner time and these people have exhausted them and they are the definition of hangry. 
They really want these people to go find a jack-in-the-box around the corner and come back a little bit later if you want to. But right now, I need something to eat. And they do too. So Jesus, send them away. Typically, the way the disciples, we read in the, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, the way they address Jesus usually starts with one word. They usually say, Lord, and then followed by the question. Or Lord, followed by the comment. Not this time. If you read these accounts, not this time. This time they, they kind of give a command to Jesus. There is no Lord there. They send these people away. Let them get food on their own. That's what it says. And you know, they're really upset by this. But Jesus is not upset by the people, even though he's physically and emotionally drained. And he's not even upset by his disciples, the ones who were hangry and encouraging him to do something different. Page 348, I just love to read it to you. But page, we're going back to page 348 again. Mark chapter 6, verse 37, the, toward the top of the page. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. That, that, that's it. That was the answer. You give them something to eat. Hmm. No one planned to stay very long. So they didn't have much food. The inventory is given, and in verse 38, um, uh, it, 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 it says, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse, verse 38, uh, let's put that one up. How many loaves do you have? Check it out. Go figure it out, guys. Just tell me how many loaves they got. They come back and they give them an inventory. Huh. These are my grandsons. One. These are slices, so go with me. Two, three, four, five. Five, five loaves. And, and one, two fishies. Little demon fish is going. Five, five. Five loaves and, and, and two fishes. I want, you, I want you to do this with me, please. And if you're at home, do it with me too, please. Are you ready? Let's, let's do this together. Are you ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The inventory was given. The report had been assembled. It had now been, the, the information had been disseminated, given over to Jesus Five pieces of bread, two small fish, not enough to even feed the front row of people. So Jesus has them count again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He has them do it again. Why would he have them do it again? But they did it again and they started counting. And here was the problem. All they were looking at was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They were only looking at the physical. Jesus had them count the physical. They were looking at the food. That's what they did, and that's what you do, and that's what I do. When we count it, what we do, we have a crisis, a dilemma, a challenge, a problem in our lives. We search, and we rack our brains, and we do the math, and we say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's what I got. It's not enough. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the disciples sense the fact that this is measly. There's, there's not enough. Matthew's account actually tells the story that day and he uses the word only. We only have. Philip throws in one other thing um, in Mark chapter 6, verse 37. Check out what he says in the latter part of the verse. Um, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year. This is Philip, half a year's wages. Are we supposed to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? There's always one guy in the crowd, right, that does that, that does, does the math. And Jesus says to them at this point, look again, what do you have? 
tired of this. I got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven. I've got seven. And as I read the story again and again and again this week, as I read it out of all four of the Gospels, I wonder if Jesus was begging them, guys, count again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Count again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I wonder if he's just begging them, would you just count to eight? Would you just count eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But with Jesus, it's possible. We're good. You got a marriage, a relationship that's failing. Your problem might be that you're counting to two. And Jesus wants you to count to three. You got a child that's giving you all kinds of fits, all kinds of problems, it's driving you over the edge. If you're married, one, two, three. If you're single, one, two. But don't stop counting when life seems stacked against you and you don't know what to do and it seems hopeless it seems utterly impossible it's kind of like the five loaves and the two fishies to feed 25,000 people Jesus is begging us this year to change our count you see you can't you, you can count on him if you can count to him you can count on him if you can count to him. Standing right next to the disciples when they're going through the boy's sack lunch, when they're taking the inventory of what they think they have was the solution to their problem. And I would tell you today that when things are really tough, when the odds are against you, when you feel like there is no possible way, count again. Stop with the ridiculous counting of the physical and begin to see in the spiritual. Don't count to seven, count to eight. Allow God to do a work in your life that only God can do. Because Jesus Christ was no ordinary teacher, he was no ordinary king, and he was no ordinary man. We're talking about the Messiah, the Son of God. And someday, when the trumpet call of God sounds, I am gonna bow, you are gonna bow. Chuck Norris is going to bow down and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let me pray for you. We openly confess to you, God, that when it comes to counting, we usually stop one short. We want to do better this year. We want to have faith in your power this year, God. When people look at us, may we follow Jesus so closely that we are covered in the dust of our rabbi. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for just a moment, I got to wonder, I got to wonder, have you been stopping your count short? Have you been relying upon your own strength, your own resources, your own abilities, your own tenacity? God gave you the gifts that we just mentioned, but he doesn't want you to do it alone. He is here, right here, and in the middle of the night, when you're wide awake and anxiety is oozing out of you and fear won't let you go and you're gripped by sadness and discouragement, Jesus is right there. Look around. He's with you. Count again. When you don't know what to do, you're faced with a difficult decision. You've weighed all the options. Count again. Jesus is right there with you. 
I wonder if you'd lift your hand today in answer to this question. Is this going to be the year that you're going to have faith in the power of God? Is this going to be the year that it's going to be better? Not because of a hope and a wish. Not because we flip the page on a calendar. But because we're making a conscious decision to say that I am not the Lord of my life, but Jesus Christ is. He is no ordinary teacher. He is no ordinary king. He was no ordinary man. This is my Messiah. This is my Savior. People are going to see dust on me this year. If that's your pledge before God, if that's your commitment to Jesus on the second day of January 2022, would you as your declaration of faith today lift your hand up to God and say, God, that is me. This is a year that I will rely upon my King, that I will rely upon my Savior, that I will trust in my Lord. This is the year that I will follow you so closely that people will see the dust of my rabbi. God, you see the hands. More importantly, you know the hearts. Today we make a pledge, a pledge that we're going to be closer to you. And it doesn't happen by osmosis. We choose to walk in relationship with you. We'll be faithful to go into church, to listening, to studying. We'll be faithful, God, to reading or listening to your word on a regular basis. We'll be faithful, God, to praying, to talking with you, not only in the bad times, although you want to hear about it, but also in the, the good times. We'll be faithful to you this year, God. And may it not be said of us that we're just a repeat of who we've read about in the Old Testament that cyclically make pledges and promise to you, but every time fail. Today, we're not going to try. We're going to rely upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Glory to God. Is anybody happy in the house today? I'm happy in the house today. Happy, 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 happy New Year to you. Praise the Lord. Pastor Trinity, thank you for the opportunity to close the gathering at your campus. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. God bless you, friends. We love you, love you, love you. Hey, quick, quick announcement. I'm going to have Everett right now and Mark. You guys make back to the connect corner, if you would, please. And if you have any questions about the Dream Center, you want to be put on a list, or you're like, hey, that inspired me. I want to know more about this. Or I want to be a coach on one of the, the, the athletic teams. Or I want to, whatever you, I want to be, I want to join the fitness center. I may never use it, but at least it'll make me feel good. Um, if you want to do that, then I want you to meet them back there. We want you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. God bless you, and Happy New Year. You are dismissed. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God.